welcome to the Flea Factory Podcast, where we explore how to put together your life, your passions, your skills, and your responsibilities. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Flea Factory Podcast. I have the privilege of introducing to you today my brew, Johan. How are you, Johan? I'm very good, thanks. Excellent. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm really well. You have also braved the weather to come and see me today. Yes. Um, it is wild and woolly, and we are currently sipping on some uh, warm homemade oh, pumpkin soup. One of the most beautiful cups of soup I've ever had in my life. Right. Well, there we sip, go. Sip, sip. Sip, sip. So, it's not coffee today, it is uh, pumpkin soup that we are sharing. Thanks for coming. I am really excited to hear some more about your story. Now, we have known each other for, I think, about four years. Mm. Would that be better? Yeah, three Three or four. Three or four years. Mm. Um, And we we met as I was starting to rediscover myself. Yes. Didn't we? Yes. It was a very (laughs) interesting meeting. I remember... Thinking a lot of there was a lot of parallels between yes. us um, the the very day that we met and I thought you were a very interesting character and I I almost knew that there was a reason why our paths were crossing so so I am had to give you a bit of backstory I'd finished up in my role as CEO of a, a large youth organisation and I was trying to work out what I was supposed to do with my next steps, and I decided to go back and try a bunch of stuff in my life. And so I literally, it was almost like I reset and I tried everything I'd tried. And one of those things was obviously I have a passion for music and for audio in particular. And so I ended up coming and studying a diploma in audio production, yes. and studio production. Um, and Johan is the campus manager, Adam, I'm sure I can mention SAE. Pretty sure, yeah. Pretty sure I can do that. Um, SAE here in Adelaide. And um, I came and did a year as a diploma. I came as a student. I was the oldest person in the class by about yes. seven decades, I think. At least. At least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was an amazing year. I had, mm. I had just a, I had a great year. Mm. It was just really good for me. I really loved it. And to be honest, it's probably part of why I'm doing a podcast, I Perfect. imagine now. Maybe yes. I learned something. You can tell yes. me if I'm yeah. pulling this off. No, you've done really well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it's just been great and we've got to know each other and, um, uh, I've been to, uh, I've been to a party for when you became an Australian citizen. Yes. My citizenship. I've, <laughs> I've um, I've, we've shared life together we since have. that time, which has been really good. Yeah. You came to my 40th birthday party. I did. Well. Yeah. We've, we've embraced and welcomed each other's families we have. into our lives and it's been beautiful. It's right. been really great. Well, thanks for coming. Thank I you for having that. me. So I'm going to kick things off by asking you. The famous first question. <laughs> and the famous first question is, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I'm going to have to say, I guess when I was really young, you know, it had to probably be the standard policeman or fireman or right. something like that. So, but I don't really have much of a memory of that. But I do have some memories of my really early teen years when I wanted to be a graphic artist. And particularly, okay. I wanted to do airbrushing. Okay. Um, so... I remember seeing on TV this documentary and these guys were, I mean, this was in the 80s, 
you know yeah. so they were doing these really elaborate like you know eagles and yeah. indian and mountain scenes yeah. on this it must have been american wolves wolves yeah and i was like wow that's amazing i really want to do that um but where i grew up in this situation i guess um art wasn't really an option as okay. a, as a, a solid career path yeah and so my next move was thinking that i wanted to be a patent lawyer because from, so from an airbrusher to from a patent an airbrush lawyer. graphic artist to a patent lawyer um okay. and there, i have no idea why i wanted to be a patent lawyer i think um i remember my grandfather had patented a couple of things okay and um I guess it sounded exciting to me because I, you know, you could see all new things and all exciting things. And, and I think that's what okay. attracted me to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that didn't really last very long. <laughs> is that, <laughs> I wonder if that is actually what a patent lawyer does. Just well, sees exciting things or whether. No, they probably no. don't. It's all probably the opposite. They're sitting in some stuffy old office just kind of doing, doing paperwork, paperwork you know and they they get yeah. the the schematics and they kind of look at it and go oh you know maybe i don't know i have to compare things and yeah it's probably right. not a very exciting job As apologies for any patent lawyers out there <laughs> sure. we, we don't mean to offend yes well it's like, <laughs> it like me wanting to be an optometrist and thinking that yes. it was just blowing air in people's eyes exactly it's yeah, not yeah. actually what the job no, is no so. no that's fascinating. Our, our views of the world when we are young sure. is, is absolutely amazing and innocent and so misguided sometimes. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I'm going to start by – give us 30 seconds of who is Johan Dreyer. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Have I said that yeah. correctly? Yeah, Dreyer. Dreyer. Give us 30 seconds of who are you, where are you from? Wow. Um, I am from the South Africa's. <laughs> I am well. When you say what, who am I? Like, yeah. what am I now, or just? Well, I'm just right. an African. You want to answer that question? I'm an Afrikaans boy. Grew up in a small town south of Johannesburg in South Africa. Grew up in apartheid South Africa. So it was literally like kind of growing up in a police state. Obviously, towards the end of the whole apartheid um, kind of era. So um, I think officially things started ending in '89. So I was about in year seven, I okay. guess. But you know, growing up literally within all that stuff, um, now kind of not to get too political and stuff, but remembering rocking up at a beach in Durban and seeing the whites only sign mm-hmm. and not really understanding what it meant. Yeah, right. It's just like whites only, like what uh, to me, color was just it was weird, like I just didn't get it. And right, like later you didn't on, see the, it. no, and no. like even within my family, I've got a very kind of you know, liberal family, and so, yep. um. But again, a lot of my friends, super conservative, you know, kind of right wing okay. people like actively involved. So I got myself into a couple of situations thinking you're going to a friend's barbecue and ending up at some kind of a political rally. Right. And this is a true story. This actually really happened to me where I was under the impression we were going to go to a, a barbecue at someone's house. Right. And we ended up at like a full protest. Against the president F. W. de Klerk. Wow. Um, in our hometown, and it was pretty funny because, um, I got home and the next morning, mom and dad said like, "So where were you last night?" And I was like, oh, "I was supposed to go to like my friend's house, and we were supposed to." But I said, like, "But then we ended up going to like the the civic center, and like we were just kind of hanging out there." And they're like, "Oh yeah, no, we know, we saw you on TV." Oh. <laughs> wow. And so I mean, and you know, just being 
me, like I'm very just kind of chill and I'll just go along with anything and it's kind of got me into a bit of trouble every now and again. But yeah, so I guess that's me. But wow. luckily a lot a lot's changed since then. Sure. Um, yeah. All right, we'll get into what's yeah, changed we'll get since <laughs> So uh, from being wanting to be a patent lawyer, I'm a ma- did you become a patent lawyer after school? Is that, no, what, is that the story? Definitely not. That's not no, the arc. I was completely opposite of patent lawyer. Okay, so let's, um, let's fast forward to the end of high school. Cool. Um, what's, what's, what's first thing off the rank for, for Johan? What, is, what does work and life look like for you as soon as you're finishing school? Well, so mine started a little bit before I finished. Okay. Um, I started working in retail. So okay. my mom worked for a big retail company in South Africa called Edgar's, and she managed to hook me up with a, a casual job. So she was in head okay. office, and she organized me an interview. So when I was about 16, I started working there. Um, and then during those, like, year 12, when I started thinking about what I wanted to do, yeah. um, a little bit being guided by mom because she was then working in this head office. Um, she really thought that I would enjoy working as a, a purchaser or like mm-hmm. a buyer or planner, fashion yep. buyer and planner. So we decided that I should go study marketing. Okay. So I carried on working at Edgar's, um, started studying full-time a marketing diploma at Wits Technicon. Yep. Um, and that was kind of what I did for four years. Okay. So I worked, I kind of got a, a permanent position after about two years so I started, I was full-time studying and part-time working, and then yep. I flipped it around. Okay. So I was full-time working and part-time yep. studying. Uh, ended up working for Calvin Klein and Levi. Ooh. So I was like a product specialist. Funny enough, ended up in the female department, oh. the girls Calvin Klein, <laughs> um, which is really funny because the gay guy was in the male department and the straight <laughs> guy was in the female department. So this is the story of my life really um but it was actually it was an absolutely amazing job right. and i really enjoyed it because um we were kind of given a little bit more freedom so when the new season stuff came out we actually got to go to the factories and pick what oh, we wow. thought was going to work within our certain demographics right. so how old was, were you at that point um 21 wow. 22 something like that yeah wow so um Living yeah the dream well, it was kind of living the dream and I, was, I was, wasn't living at home anymore. Okay. So I moved out with one of my buddies. So, you know, we had this little garden cottage where the two of us, like, you know, were staying. I didn't even have a car, I had a motorbike at that stage. Um, he had an old VW Beetle um, and we were just, you know, we were just young. We were partying. We, the, the rave scene was in a full effect. So music, I guess, had always been a very big part of my life. So I was right. DJing and stuff okay. already. Yep. So, and then one of the guys I met when I moved to Santon, in that Calvin Klein position, he was a pretty, not high profile, but a pretty well-known DJ at a very cool club. And okay. so he got me into DJing way more like tech house stuff and house. Okay. And I kind of got an opportunity to go mix with them at this club. And so that kind of really was one of the stepping stones where I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to start taking DJing a bit more serious. Okay. And yeah, so we we're kind of doing all of that. So that sort of starts to appear. Meanwhile, harboring mm. a real passion for patent. <laughs> No. Okay, that is the patent lawyer now. thing was gone. The the little <laughs> handbook that I had when I was in school with all the occupations in had been you lost left. that one. Yeah, out. had been left. I think we tore that page out really. Okay, right. Set yeah. fire to so that then one. Then had a was, rave somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So then it was like, you know, marketing and business and retail. Okay. So yeah. I, I really had a, a passion for retail, I think, at that stage. I was okay. really good at it. Um I I it won probably a couple. helps. Well it does. And it's also um 
one of those things, yeah, if you really enjoy it, then you get better at it. And the better you get at it, the more you enjoy it. Right. And so it got yes. to a point where I even, you know, we would have these little challenges and see how much we can upsell and how we can out upsell each other yeah. and, and stuff like that. But never, you know, obviously still within reason. I remember in the formal departments, you know, where someone would come in to buy a suit and you'd really be like, no, bro, we're going to kit you out. Like, and it's not just like, it's like, oh, I've got some old time, like you're not walking out of here without a nice That's tie, right. you know? And that was the, also again, the and early nineties or the nineties. So we had those really colorful tie. I remember the cartoon ties. Yeah. I had a, came out. a Pepe Le Pew tie. Oh man. I had a Batman and one. <laughs> a Batman and yeah. a Pepe Le Pew tie, a cream microfiber shirt. Oh yes. yes. And a double breasted teal. There suit. we go. Teal suit. My, you would have sold me that, wouldn't you? I would have totally. That was my I went formal. to my first job interview wearing that exact outfit. <laughs> yes. And you, I got the job. I was going to say, <laughs> obviously you got the job. There's no there's no way you wouldn't yeah. get that Maybe job. Maybe Le Pew tie. Yeah. What was going so on? So my year 12 Mickey formal. Mouse vests. Oh, yes. Yeah. I had oh, one of those, man. I think, at my formal. Yep. What was That was it. On? I was a little bit more extreme. I wore a polar neck to my oh, formal. So I had you. like a, a polar neck kind of... Also, an aqua green with yeah, a right. teal suit. Ooh. Green on green. Green on green, <laughs> man. I was dominating back like in double the- denim. Exactly. <laughs> man, I saw those wow. photos when I went home to South Africa. Yeah. Like um, We stumbled upon a little box with old photos, and I saw that photo of me. Doc Martens, like the boots, the yeah. 12-ups, yeah. with this teal suit and then this kind of Hot. green... Give that man a job at Calvin Klein. That's <laughs> exactly. what they were thinking. Exactly. That's what they were thinking. Totally. Like pushing the envelope on the edge of cutting edge fashion. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> All right. So early 20s, we're DJing a bit. A little bit, yeah. We're retail. Retail all the way. Working, enjoying it. it. Just learning kind of some stuff. Ticking just along. getting on a bit of independence. Life's That's looking it. good. Yeah. Where do we go from there? What kind of, what starts to develop? Is, is all of a sudden, does music start to develop a little more at that point? Not or is that still yet. just in the background? It's still in the background. It's okay. bubbling along. So then I actually had my first, we, my buddy and I had to move out of our first cottage and we moved into another cottage. Um, and this house was owned by uh, a couple, a gay couple. Okay. And they had an a IT company. And as I finished my marketing diploma, um, I remember the, the, one of the guys came to me and he was like, hey, I'm really struggling We've just hit this massive contract. I need people to build, help me build computers and do networking. Okay. You, you seem to have half a brain because you've just finished That's a marketing right? yeah. diploma. So Got it. you can build a computer. It's like, of course I can build a computer. Can yeah. you show me how? I wear <laughs> teal like, on teal. Exactly. I can, I can, I can do, do pretty anything. much anything. Yeah. So yeah, I had a bit of a, and again, you know, like, unfortunately he offered me quite a lot of money to do this job. So I was like, okay, well, this is cool. So again, 21, 22 going, sure. whoa, hang on. I can make yes, quite a I bit of money. Yes, I can build a computer. Yeah. So I uh, had a bit of a, a change in direction, started doing IT stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was all just fine. You know, we were just living the dream again, doing okay. all the stuff, working with these. They were pretty loose, actually, these cats. Like I remember Friday afternoon drinks that got out of control okay. very quickly. And again, like young dudes, and we're just like, whoa, this is pretty hectic. Um, and then at this company where they then put me at uh, one of their clients. So I yep. became like a an on-site IT okay. consultant, I guess. Okay. And it was more hardware side. So they had a network guy. So me and this network guy worked together. But then most of the time I was just building computers. The Y2K 
yes. project. So that was oh, one of right. my main well, the world jobs. Was ending. The world was ending. And they're like, but if you run this Norton project, oh, I don't know if I can say this. Yeah, yeah. But then the world won't end anymore. Oh. So that was one of my major projects. You saved I had this. to I saved this particular company at least. Oh, right. Probably the world, but I started with this company. <laughs> and I had to go around to each and every computer and run. And I remember walking into like, you know, the CFO and this was a, a German reinsurance company. So okay. you can you know how conservative insurance is. Yeah, so yeah. you can imagine reinsurance and German. And the German so reinsurance. German reinsurance company. This is your place to this sell. This was my place where I was walking around. At that stage, I was—I forgot to mention—I was heavy into skateboarding. So I was okay. wearing like size thirty-eight pants, even though I was probably a size twenty-eight. Um, super baggy with right. my skate, you know, and that was all I was about. So I'd roll into these conservative offices <laughs> and be like. I'm sorry, Mr. Hans, but you have to get off your computer because I have to run my scan. And they would just get so frustrated with me. And I'd have to sit there and wait yeah. for this thing. And I'd just sit there. I can't even remember how long it took. It wasn't like super long. But I'd have to literally watch what it was doing and then make tick when like it's... Like when you defragged your computer. Exactly. It's yeah? literally like right. that. It's what it's doing. It's scanning the system. going to be people listening to this who have no idea what we're talking about. Y2K yep. defragging. Exactly, yeah. This was our This was our this lives, was our lives yeah, yeah. back then. And, you know, and these these corporate guys would be sitting there going like, can this not go faster? Why is this taking so long? I'm like, just and chill, you're like, hey, Hans. I'm saving the world. Exactly, bro. Like, you know, just, it's just relax. Time to save the world. <laughs> exactly. In my pants. In my chinos. Oh, man, I used to love those really baggy chino pants, like khaki chino pants. I thought I was the coolest dude ever <laughs> were they and stussy it, pants no, no i yeah i think i probably had some stussy were you jeans fubuing by then Is that no, no no fubuing no, fubuing. no i was getting into some serious skateboarding so i had oh, alien right. workshop jeans oh, right. that cost me at that stage of my life like 400 rand for yeah. a pair of jeans which was i remember my mom seeing that and was just like what, what are you doing, are you doing? Yeah. like you could almost have bought a car not but quite, but we'll get to this later again but Responsibility's low at this exactly. point in life, right? I'm young. I'm living the dream. I'm just like options, <laughs> yes. trying stuff. Yeah, cool. Disposable income. Exactly. All Heaps. of the things we have less of today. Yeah, we have disposable income. What is that? <laughs> that? Yes. Anyway, disposable income to the bank. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, where exactly. I dispose, on my yeah. mortgage. Yeah. Totally. So then I met my ex-partner, um, and we kind of I started a, a relationship with her and. Somehow we decided that we needed to go on adventure. Okay. So um, both of us resigned. She was the receptionist at this oh, at the same, said, company. Same, oh, right. same company. Okay. I was the IT guy. So, you know, I kind of, it's pretty sexy when you can fix people's computers and stuff. And so there I was. I got myself a girlfriend after I'd been <laughs> single for quite a while, actually. And then we set off, went to America on an adventure. And ended up working on super yachts. See, I love talking to people that I think I know because I yeah. don't know them. What um, the heck? <laughs> yeah. So ended up in Fort Lauderdale um, just doing day work. So yeah. that normally was yeah. either doing um, varnish work. So you tape off the wooden handrails, yeah. sand them off, yep. then prep them. And then normally someone, like a more advanced person, would come and actually paint the varnish on. Okay. And then we started polishing holes, so buffing out holes. So I'd have these little floaty things with these suction cups, and I'd you'd suction cup yourself to the side of these mass. And you know, right. we're talking about like you know, yeah. 200, 300 foot like tri deck, like yeah. massive boats. The real deal. The real yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's what we started doing, and we ended up 
in Fort Lauderdale working there and then we ended up driving a car to San Francisco to drop off a car. So this was yeah. a cross America trip yeah. that we were supposed to do in 10 days that we did in 10 days, but it was supposed to be like you drive six hours every day. And we ended right. up doing like a massive trip from Lauderdale to um, New Orleans, spent two days in New Orleans, then drove from New Orleans to San Antonio, spent two days a there. Bit distracted. Yeah. Then LA, <laughs> then yeah. San Fran yeah. dropped the car. Anyway, so we got to see a lot of, but did some crazy stuff like on the way, like wow. again, stories of running out of fuel Yep. And literally, you know, people talk about angels coming to save you. Yes. I firmly believe that we had really? an angel with two jerry cans full of fuel that arrived. Appeared. Just honestly appeared out of nowhere. And wow. just as he appeared, he filled up our tank and then disappeared. And we got to go to, like, we made it to another, like, servo to put fuel in. Wow. And it was, yeah, another. that's in the story for okay. another day. It's a different podcast. Anyway, went to that's spend my podcast some, about angels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, spent some time in... California in San Diego. There, I was actually helping a guy refurbish a whole boat, like a classic old sailboat, beautiful, uh, 180 foot, um, amazing. So I was just doing everything from, you know, just polishing metal to fabricating stuff. And sure. you have no background in that. You're no just doing it. Just doing it. Yeah. Just, just and that was the beauty of it. You just, you know pardon the friends, but you just bullshit your way into anything. Like literally we would sit next to the side of the road in front of these like hostels. So all the yachting yeah. people have hostels where all the yachting right. people would stay okay. and day workers would just sit outside the front and someone would pull up in one of these big, you know, F40 <laughs> kind of trucks of yeah, these yeah. and be like, yeah, you know, can anyone do plumbing? And everyone's just like, yep, I can do plumbing. And then you kind of, and that was the yeah. day before smartphones. So we couldn't even right. like Google, Google in the back of the yeah. thing. You're like, so, I've seen plumbing. Exactly. So, <laughs> Um, luckily, um, because of my ex, we got a lot of cleaning work Okay. because um, a lot of times she'd be the only girl. And so they'd like roll up right. going, oh, well, we need someone to clean the inside of the boat. And okay. she, they'd be like, oh, you come. And then she'd be like, oh, well, I, I only come if my boyfriend comes. And so we managed to get a lot of work okay. like that. But then also, you know, as you kind of, we went back to, back to Lauderdale from um, San Diego. And by that stage, we had made a bit of a network. So we kind of got some more permanent work, but it included me working, painting someone's house, you know, yeah. just you would literally do anything you can. Yeah. And at the same time, just kind of traveling around, we, we did get a permanent position as a couple on a boat, mm -hmm. a smaller boat. So I was the deckhand, she was the stewardess, and they had the captain and his wife who was the chef. And we had the owners on board and we'd take them to the Bahamas or take them to Miami. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, the jet skis had to be run every now and oh. again to make sure that it's all good. You know, so we'd have to get the jet skis yeah. out, just run them around, yeah. take the tenders out. Um, wow. So tough life, very tough life. Um, yeah, and then our visas ran out. Okay. And so we were like... Um, what do we do? So we ended up going back to South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, but then we had saved up a little bit of money. So we were like, let's go to, let's do the same thing, but in Europe. Sure. And let's make it a bit more tricky. We'll take my brother with. Oh. <laughs> so brother had, <laughs> that's it. Brother had just finished his year 12. Okay. What is he doing with his life? He's not sure. Come to Europe with us. Um, completely fell flat, the whole plan, because we okay. roll into... Um, well, Germany first, and then we went to Amsterdam, and then we went to um, France. And then so every time we get to these places where we think we can work, the the yachting industry is just a bit different. We don't know the language. Right. We can't find any other work. Okay. So we ended up staying there for, I think, seven months. 
Right. Just spending all yeah. the money that we had made <laughs> in America, sure. which is a bit of a shame. Uh, again, I don't know how deep you want to go into these adventures of mine, but we ended up on a farm in England, okay. like working just the most manual labor that you can ever yep. imagine in your life, like picking tomato, uh, potatoes and stuff. And yep. yeah, so I guess we eventually made our way back to South Africa after another funny story with visas and getting, okay. sure. <laughs> getting deported. Out oh. of Amsterdam, right. which is the place you want to get deported out of for you know many reasons, mm. but I got deported for the wrong reasons for okay. not having the right Schengen visa to travel through from Amsterdam. Right, literally, like we were coming in from the domestic arrivals, and I had to walk through one glass door to get through. to the international departures, which I could see. I could see the counter that stopped. I needed, and they stopped me and they said, "You don't have a visa that's going to allow you to walk through this door." And I'm like, "Dude, the there i need to be at that i can see the counter and they were like no so they sent us back to edinburgh flew us back with jet star kind of you know local flight that was like no you're not coming anyway another long story wow um so back in south africa then i was looking for work and being a extreme sport fanatic i saw an ad to to run an extreme sport venue Right up like, your alley. This is perfect. Here I am. I'm a, a I've already hard, got the pants. I've got hardcore <laughs> skateboard pants. I've got some scars. What more extreme do you want? And it ended up being like a bungee swing up okay. in the north of South Africa yep. near um, a place called Kharaskop, which okay. is this gorge. And they made a gorge swing. Right. So I rolled in there and I became the jump master for this gorge swing. Which of course you did. It's funny looking back at it. You know, you think you feel like, oh, how long did I work there? Probably two or three years. And then you go and do the math, and you're like, oh no, actually, I was only there for three months. Oh right, <laughs> dude, it was the most stressful time of my life. Okay, like it really was. Um, like there's a lot of other reasons. Like the guy who owned the the thing was on some heavy medication because he had back issues okay. from the jump. <laughs> from no, the luckily not from that. <laughs> But yeah, so there was a lot of stuff going on. Wow. But then I started having nightmares of people like dying oh, while right. I'm there. Like on the this. responsibility. Of yeah, because I'm, I'm literally, I'm the one. So we harness them up and then I have to clip them in. And then I'm the one that lets go of them at the time when they jump. So it's on you. So it's all on me. You right? are the jump master. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then I started getting nightmares. And then we had an oh, incident man. with a... Oh, well, something that would happen often is like yeah. when it was super misty, we'd close the jump, right? right. Because it's too dangerous to sure. jump. And what happens is when it gets misty and it gets misty there, because it's where the highland, high, um, highland and lowland, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Um, high felt and low felt in South yeah. Africa. Yeah. So it's literally, so because of this, there's a lot of mist on this kind of corridor, right. I guess. So we had it often where we had to close the jump. And then what would happen is the ropes would get a little bit wet and then they'd stretch a little bit right. further than they normally do. So oh, normally, okay, yeah. So before that incident happened, I would be in the pub, you know, because the jumps closed for the day. We like go to the pub, have yep. a lunch, just hang out there, you know. Um, it used to get pretty cold there, and then I get a call from the local police, and it's a very small town. So imagine this town is like okay. the size of you know, like Wollonga or something yep. like that. So everyone knows everyone. Yeah. So like I had the direct line for like the senior superintendent who was like one of three people, <laughs> the cops that worked there. Right. And he'd call me and he'd be like, hey, Yuan, there, there is an oak on the uh, the platform there at the jump. You better come and have a look and come and talk to him. So people would 
get drunk or maybe be like you know depressed or whatever and then climb through and <gasps> go and stand on the platform contemplating oh you know, eternity yeah right. and then i'd have to go in there and go hey <laughs> hi what are you doing like maybe let's come down here let's have a chat so that happened wow. twice right really? where we had to go and kind of have a chat to someone it's a big three months yeah right and so anyway and then i had this couple who rolled in one day and they wanted to do a tandem jump and so i had to we had you know obviously weight that we had worked out and okay I'm like how much do you guys weigh together and i was like 120 is like the limit but you know technically we could throw three tons off there and it wouldn't do anything sure. You just but need to do the math. Well, you just need to do the math and figure it all out. Uh, and they were like, oh, yeah, no, we weigh under 120. I was like, okay, okay. And I, you know, I was a little bit skeptical, but I was like, you know, who, who am I to judge? Anyway, they the jump. The jump master. The jump master is <laughs> supposed to judge. <laughs> jump. They stretch a little bit further than they normally do, and they hit, like clip the top of a tree. But luckily, just the bushes, okay. you know, like just the yep. – so just a little bit of – but anyway, they came, walked back up, and they were like, yeah, I know, we were kind of lying about how much we weighed. So luckily, oh, they were now. just like fully like, okay, that's our fault. Like, sorry, like we should have been more honest. Yeah. And I think that was the one thing that took me over the edge. Right. And then I was like, you know what? You're not doing this anymore. I can't do this. I'm. It's too stressful. Um, yeah. So packed up there, uh, went back to Johannesburg, and... I'd heard, because I was kind of going back every couple of weekends, you know, to spend time with the family and, yep. and so on. And some of my friends ran a skate park, an outdoor skate park yeah. that they'd built on council land. So they were leasing okay. the land from council. Yep. His dad was a builder. They built this concrete park and they were over running this. So I went back to Alberton and I was like, I'll take it over. And okay. they were super excited. They're like, yeah, too. Take, take it. it. Take it. So my retail kicked uh, back in. Right. So we created a whole little skate shop um one of my dreams always had been actually while i was studying even is to have my own clothing label and my own skate brand right so i was like this is it this is the time yeah so i did it i built the skate park the like the shop butt naked skateboards which was supposed oh, to be it's, in afrikaans it's kolkhat okay. and that's how it started and then i was like no one's going to know what kolkhat means so okay. i need to make it butt naked and the whole idea for me was with that was that you can be yourself just be yourself because there was, a, you Got know, it. there's a lot of ego and a lot of image in all the, that kind of stuff at that stage. And I was just a bit like, just, just be yourself and have fun. Yeah. So that was the idea behind it. So we ended up doing really well. Yep. We, the park just kind of, you know, a bit more life. I got some people do new sick graffiti and whatever, and got in touch with some of the distributors in South Africa. So I got all like the latest and greatest skateboards and accessories and yep. trucks and shoes. And then, my bro and I had this idea of let's build an indoor skate park. Right. So we found this abandoned shopping center that they had turned them. So imagine like a big, um, like a Westfield like Coles. Kinda. Oh, well, right. No, so like a big coal. So it was a coal center. So there's, okay. you know, it's one of these arcades. So they've got a couple got of other little shops. Got it. But the coals had been completely stripped out. And okay. in the middle where all the normal aisles are is yep. now a flea market. Oh right. On okay. the one side is a butcher, like the butchery. So it's the whole okay. the the back end of that. Yeah. So where you, they get deliveries and stuff. And the other side is the bakery side. Okay. So I walk into this little warehouse, which is like this L shaped. It was about I think it was three hundred square meters from memory now. Okay. And I'm like, this is perfect. So we loaned money from my dad. Like right. luckily he was on board. 
he, we, I had to, I did a whole business plan for him. Yeah, like yeah. I wasn't messing around. I was like, you know, it's not just going to, at dinner time go, Hey dad, you know, do you want to chuck us 10,000 Rand? You know? Yeah. So I drew up all the plans. I showed him, he'd obviously seen what had been happening at the other park. Um, right. And to be honest, like, so we used to put on events, like I'd put okay. on like skate demos or skate comps and I'd organize bands. Um, yep. And so, and we'd make a lot of money, like yeah. seriously, okay. a lot of money, like on one one event yeah and so i think dad was like all right no this is cool. so you had a bit of, yeah you had a bit of credibility yeah, behind you, you know Something it wasn't just yeah. yeah and so so we did we invested and we built this skate park and it was going amazing mm-hmm. like it was absolutely amazing we were doing really well um i was at that stage i was sponsoring i think about 10 kids 10 to 15 kids yep um you know just photo shoots and filming and it was just going off and everything was going fine. And then our one-year anniversary, <laughs> yeah. we go, you know what we should do? We should have like a massive punk fest. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong for our one-year anniversary? And what the reason why we decided the punk fest is because a lot, like a lot of the kids from the north suburbs, like kids would drive 45 okay. minutes to come to our skate park. Yeah. And we were kind of getting that momentum where people okay. would be like... And again, from me in the industry talking to all the the major labels and people like we would get all these like touring skate companies who would come and do skate demos and stuff. And so these kids approached me and they're like, oh, we've got this punk band. We want to do like a Woodstock, like a punk fest kind of thing, like punk stock. And we ended up. (laughs) Punk stock. Like it was supposed to go from like midday to midnight or something. And we ended up having something ridiculous, like 36 bands were going to play, you know. I don't know. The whole thing just spiraled out of control. Yeah. And I remember I went off to with another friend of mine. We were playing djembe drums at a, a gallery opening. So music is still in the background. So I'm yeah, organizing parties. I'm organizing events. Yeah. I'm playing my djembe drums because I'm in Africa and that's what we do. Yeah. And we're at this gallery opening. <laughs> Um, I left my brother in charge and another really good... I wanted to know you then. I oh, wish. man. It was amazing. <laughs> Again, so but so naive and trusting. I'm just yeah, like, but okay, we can do this. 36 bands, 12 hours. Easy. Yeah, we got You this. know, it's, just, it's punk music. The songs are never longer than 40 seconds anyway. <laughs> so, exactly, 10 right? 10-minute set. Be totally, going. yeah. Right, got it. And we were quite far off. I think we were like an hour and 15 minutes away. And... I remember my brother called me and like, let's say the event was supposed to start at midday. This was like at quarter to 11 or something when my brother rocked up to kind of open up the whole thing and kind of, we were, you know, they were going to set up barbecues because we were making booty rolls and we had like cool drinks that we were selling and snacks. And my brother phones me and he's just like, "Uh, I think you need to make a plan to get back here as soon as possible and i'm like why he's like dude there's there's quite a lot of people here already okay and i'm like but it's it's like an hour before it starts he's like yeah exactly and you've met my brother so he's yes. very like straight you know analytical yep. guy he's like um i can foresee that there's going to be a problem like you <laughs> I, need, I can foresee that i can foresee that our risk yes. management plan has sure. possibly not included for this one factor and i was like all right cool and the factor being lots of people lots of people so like lots of like people. lots of people okay right like like quadruple <laughs> what we could never have even imagined would have <laughs> ever come to any of our parties right got it so anyway so 
I was like, oh man, you'll be fine. So we're at this, you know, it's all So chill. you're not there. I'm not even there. How far are you away? I'm about an hour away, <laughs> like a bit more than an hour. I'm like literally this in. This is how confident you are in the event. You're not even there. I'm not even there. Okay. I'm in Sasselburg playing at this, like in this garden. <laughs> a couple of friends were like playing this chill, like djembe drums at this art gallery opening thing. And then I get the second phone call. And that's my mate. And he's like, uh, yeah, so uh, are you on your way back? I'm like, no, bro. I'm in the garden playing djembe drums. He's like, yeah, no, I think you need to come back. And then like literally put it down. And then my brother phones me again. And he's like, uh, so are you on your way back? <laughs> and that's at that stage. Yeah, I was right. like, okay. Donnie, yep. I'm sorry. Um, yep. I really feel. And unfortunately, again, me, I drove with someone else. I didn't even have my own car. <laughs> so, like, we're going to have to cut this short. Anyway, long story short, we roll back <laughs> to the skate park. I couldn't get into the side street to get to the entrance of the skate park. Right. There was that many people. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm obviously probably over-exaggerating, but I feel like there was 4,000 people at okay. the skate park. Like, you could not move, right? Okay. They, yeah. Normally, like, at those events we, where we had the band up, people could still skate. Like, there was a, a mini ramp over. Okay, open. right. And then on sure. the outside, we had, like, a bunch of, like, boxes and rails and okay. stuff. And so... Kids would always be skating. So it'd be busy, but it'd be still yeah, you know, active as a park. Exactly. There was no... No, there was no... There was no... It was like literally, imagine you are in the mosh pit at a tool concert kind of thing. Like yes. I had to squeeze through people to get into the main gate. Like it was just... It was absolutely insane. And then like literally from that moment on, it was just chaos. It was chaos control of trying to control chaos. Um, fast forward, the event happened, you know, it was crazy at the end of the night when we were trying to take stock of what had gone on, the, the punks, these kids had gone into our bathrooms and kicked down every single, not even just the door, like break off the door, like the cubicle walls were gone. gone. Like, I don't even know where they were. The front, the main front doors for both boys and girls bathrooms were gone. They had gone to... The volleyball. There was an in, uh, like, uh, inside volleyball yeah. court on the other side, indoor volleyball, and they had gone over there to try underage kids to try and buy alcohol. And when they were told no, they were threatening the people at the volleyball that they were going to bash them. Graffitied the walls. That was just yeah, it was chaos. So kind of what led up to this is we had had a couple of warnings already because you know it's, it's skate, skate kids, park. it's skate yeah, park. Sure. You know, there's a couple of things that have a couple of fights that had broken out at other events, you know, which makes sense. Um, and yeah, so that was just the final straw on the camel's back. So on our one year anniversary, we got evicted from our skate park, <laughs> which I then spent, I don't know, like, you know, maybe a month, two months trying to find another venue. So we had to go in, break down all the, the ramps. But now obviously this, the park was custom designed for that space. Right. And we had a really good deal, like the okay. because the, it wasn't it was a kind of a, so no one know, else was using no one else it was, was going to use it. Yeah. So the rent that we had paid was super affordable, and we could sure. totally do it. So okay. the next moment, I'm looking at mini factories, right. and then all of a sudden the rent's like ten times. So sure. I'm like, there's no way I can make it this really work. Um, so we had to pack it up. We I literally had to close the whole thing down, and right. so I still owed my dad um, some money. So what do you do? You go to the UK for a working holiday to go make some pounds. 
so that you can pay your dad back, right? That's exactly what I was thinking you were yeah. going to do next. So here I am. <laughs> I'm flying. So, so did you have the original skate park at the same time or no? No, so we kind of, we let that go. And um, moved into the Yeah, one. and we just focused on the inside one. Everything was in. You yeah. All in. All into that one. So there's another, there's a couple of reasons why we couldn't go back to the outside one. Okay. Um, because my dad worked for the council. So we had heard that there was a, a taxi rank next door to it and that they were going to expand and take okay. over the whole park. So right. we were also like, well, we're not investing money there because we know that the this council, moment. any moment they're sure. going to just, you know, come and flatten all of this all and right. build a rank there. So we're like, all right, cool. So I'm like, okay, this is it. So you were all in. And then. Evicted. Bam. One year in. UK. UK. Here I come. Gone. So By I, yourself? No, with one of my brother's friends, actually. Okay. I think that's what happened. So he he wanted to go overseas. Someone had a good idea. Someone had a good idea. Went, that sounds I was like, like my next yeah. move. We should do this. I should totally do this. Saying that though, at the time as well, my ex then had, she had gone back to America. She got offered okay. a job back on a boat. Right. So she went back as a permanent crew member okay. um, on this yacht. Yes. So I was a little bit more footloose and fancy free. Again, I was living at mom and dad's okay. at that stage. So no financial. Again. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, whatever. So went to the UK. Um, again, the luck on my side ended up getting a job designing and quoting gas installations for new build houses or redeveloped houses. Yeah. Cause you know, that's, that's what happens. So, <laughs> so I had to, I went on this, I, I thought I was going for an interview to be a cleaner and I rolled in <laughs> and the woman was like, uh, so come and do this test. So we had this like typing tests and like, it was literally like an IQ test, like an aptitude test. Like, so I did this cleaner. test. I was just like, dude, I thought I was just going to vacuum, but okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> I do this test and then they're like, oh no, no, there's like two positions available to become part of the design and quote team. And she's like, would you want to do that? I was like, well, it sounds pretty cool. Like, why not? And I mean, I'm in the UK, so I need work, right? I'm like, I'd do anything. I don't care what it is. Sure. And they're like, oh, it's an that office. sounds better than cleaning. Well, exactly. And they're like, it's an office job. And they kind of told me a little bit. And I was like, it sounds like pretty much like a lot of fun. So I ended up having to do like, it's like six weeks worth of training before we could actually start work. So we had to learn to, like two or three different softwares. So we had a specific software that we would look up people's addresses like Google Maps. Yeah. So you'd find their, their house. Then you'd go and look up where the closest gas mains are. Yeah. Then you'd superimpose their, oh, their okay. plans, their actual drawings onto the map yeah. showing where the closest gas mains are. And then I'd go in and design the shortest route to the house and then design the whole panels. So you, then you'd have to work out, oh, you need so many elbow bends, you need so many valves, okay. you need so many meters. But then it kind of started getting more tricky because depending on where they were, like with if there's road closures involved, and then if you were working on heritage listing, you were like, "Hey, I'm all over road closures. You just put on a punk fest." Exactly. So I so. know about closing roads. Like <laughs> this is my speciality. Um, yeah. So and obviously because I was there by myself, so all I did yeah. was work. I literally worked twelve hours okay. every day. So I, I got really good at designing and I would remember all the codes so I didn't have to look it all up. So I ended up doing like triple the amount of work right. that the average couple of guys, but saying that, that there was about six South Africans there and we were all doing exactly the same thing. Okay. So oh, right. we were just smashing it out. Yep. So eventually I find myself working on these sufficiently complex jobs because now I know enough yep. to do the museum of London to do old um, Trafford. So I did like some massive, like 10 million pound jobs where we had to literally close down like 
roads in the middle of London yeah. and then work on heritage buildings. Um, just, yeah, so I did all the design and quote stuff for that. You thought you were going for an interview to be a cleaner. And I was going to be a cleaner. Okay. I was like, this is not bad for a cleaner. No, it's pretty good. And I made some pretty good, good money. Yeah, really good money. Um, so anyway, then... The second winter was coming in the UK because we got there in summer, right. did summer, did winter, kind of summer came around again. And as yeah. it was kind of getting cold, I was like, you know what? I'm I can't out. do, can't do, can't do a South African winter. boys out of here. <laughs> I'm out. Drop, drop the mic. So ex-girlfriend, uh, still in living the dream in the Caribbean, you know, just mm. on these yachts. And so she's just like, just come back. Like, you know, we could kind of. To the US. Yeah. So I went back right. to the US. Just carried on doing boat work. Ended up again in a boatyard with this awesome captain. And we were just refurbishing this boat, this old fishing boat. Yeah. And he was the loosest unit that you could ever imagine. <laughs> he was so funny. Um, but yeah, so ended up doing that for I think maybe another seven or eight months. And then we went back to South Africa. Um, and I was like, this is it, South Africa. I'm going to do this. Right. Um, and I think we lasted another 18 months. And during that time is when my music stuff really. So, when, right. sorry, to get back to the music stuff. So, when I was what in America was... then, when I went back to America, yes. that's when I really, I bought a guitar. And I was like, I'm really into music. So, how old are you then? What's your? 28. Okay. 28, 29, yep. maybe somewhere there. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm like, yeah, no, this is, I want to start playing music now. I've been right. DJing and I've, you know, obviously when I was traveling, I wasn't doing much DJing. Um, and I was like, yep, I'm going to start playing music into like heavy, hard rock, industrial rock. That's what I want to do. I want to play in like a Rammstein band. Can't figure out how they play those chords, but anyway, I'm going to just do it. Good um, so then when I went back to South Africa, again, just fell into retail. I was just doing retail okay. and just quickly found myself like, oh, this is not me. And I was like, I need to pursue music. I really need to find this calling of mine. And okay. again, by accident, stumbled upon an SAE brochure. Because okay. I was looking at studying like music in California, like the University of California. Right. And then like looking at um, UQ, studying at okay. UQ music. Yeah. And I quickly realized like, you know, there's no way I can, because these guys are talking about like, you know, level eight being musicians, playing so long and doing yeah. all so that Yeah, so like stuff. music's like in you, you love it, but it's not, it's not like you know history and like technical music. No, it's yeah, not like... I've never done. I did a bit of guitar lessons. My mom plays the organ, you know. Okay. So my uncle used to play. Yes, there's, there's music in my family, but, the, but no one's right. actively doing it, and I'm not playing music. So I realized right. that quickly, like, oh, I can't go and study music because I don't have that background. And then right, despondent. at twenty eight, yeah, at twenty eight, I'm like despondent. I throw this brochure, and what happens? This SAE brochure doesn't fly with the rest of them it falls straight down at my feet right and i pick it up and i go hang on and it says johan and it says <laughs> you can be an engineer you don't have to be so having grown up with an electronics dad in a technical making school making, saving the world from y2k i'm like this is me this is what i want to do wow. and boom that was i think one of the questions you asked what's the boldest thing you've ever done was yeah. at that stage i was 32 um Oh, yeah. Was it? Yeah, 32. And I just, maybe not, maybe 31. I don't know. Um, 
packed up everything. I don't in think South it changes Africa. the story yeah, all that much. <laughs> Sorry, packed I up. Mean, the point was you weren't seventeen. There I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was I was well into my yeah later stage of my life. Then bam, moved to Byron Bay to study audio what? engineering, and so. You don't study in South Africa. You no. come and study here. Come come to Australia. Because why not? Well, because I needed to get out of South Africa. Okay. Because I quickly realized that... Um, you know how the universe just sometimes pushes you along? And I quickly realized every time I went to South Africa, it was just like my creativity was stifled. I wasn't okay. feeling good about being there. There was obviously a lot of other stuff going on, political okay. stuff, which sure. was just not sitting right for me. Um and so I knew I wanted to leave, and it was either Australia or America. Um, all the Aussies that I had ever met while I was traveling, doesn't matter where I met them, they all the moment they met me, they were like, "You need to go to Australia." Okay, and like, you've not been it. before. Never at been. That point. Never been. So like, it was just three people you knew that you'd mm. met along the journey. You kind of well, sounds like a good enough place. Nice yeah. enough people. Exactly. My cousins had immigrated okay. ten years before that, so okay. they lived in Brisbane. So I talked okay. to him a little bit. Yeah. And again, at this stage when I was looking at moving, it was. I think it was between Brisbane, Melbourne, and Byron. And I remember reaching out to Neil and going, hey, I've got these options. Where should I go? And he was like, go to Byron Bay. Like, you want to go to Byron Bay? He's met you with your drums. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, sick, bro. And so ended up going to Byron and not knowing that it was literally the best SAE campus nationally. Yeah, yeah, at that stage, it was the international headquarters for SAE. Amazing equipment, amazing lecturers amazing location so there i was um did my first year got a scholarship for the second year okay as part of the scholarship there was you had to work you know some hours back um nagged and nagged and got a job in the tech office to work back some of my hours like helping handing out gear and then doing a bit of like you know helping students um yeah finished up the the degree Ended up working in the SUPS office, ended up being the, the head techie. Then they needed someone to redevelop the VET program. Then I started doing that. Then was teaching and boom, then I moved to Adelaide to come and run the campus here. Okay, let me get my head around this for a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you, along that way though, you're – now writing and producing your own music as well, right? Mm. You're performing, you're doing there's all sorts of things going on now. Yeah. So now musically I'm, as well as you're just studying and becoming a tech as such. Like Yeah. So then we're fully doing like bands. Again, I was really interested in doing heavy music, but along the way, you realize like post production super fun. Got into sound mm. design. And one of yeah. the modules we did an electronic music module. And quickly, so it was funny because I left the dance music behind, like the techno and the house okay. and stuff. I was like, no, I want to do rock music. And then that electronic music module forced me to make something okay. that I didn't really want to make. Right. And then all of a sudden I realized how much I missed like the dance music, and especially the techno yeah. stuff. Yeah. And again, then I met like specific people like Tyler, which then ended up mm. me and him are still producing music together. Yep. And then... Yeah, I was like, oh, hang on. I really love making electronic dance music and, you know, and then doing sound design. And so then, yeah, that was just all happening. So I kind of left the studio stuff behind. There's a couple of little projects I kept on doing. Okay. But, yeah, mostly it was just my own electronic music stuff. And then we got into the hardware side of it. Then it was just like getting into like analog drum machines, analog synths, yep. 
and yeah. So then we started doing live techno. Right. Just Tyler and myself with um, two octa tracks, which is literally like eight channel samplers. Yeah. So we use them like drum machines. Again, I'd like to think we were ahead of our time playing these like parties with you know, two of us just rolling in with these two little black boxes and connecting in and like yeah. doing live techno, which obviously yeah. is a little bit more boring than mastered arranged tracks. Sure. So a lot of times people didn't quite get what we were doing, but we, yeah, we just kept on doing it. And now this was, this was African-American, is that right? This is African-American. Okay, right. Yeah, exactly. So This is what you were called. We yeah, were called yeah, yeah. African-American, yeah. I imagine because you're African and he's American. Exactly. Right, so, yeah, and it was kind of that play. It was so funny because we had a couple of PC friends who were like, uh, you can't say that. You can't say that. Like, how are you guys, call, two white guys, calling yourselves African-American? And it's like, well, I'm from Africa. He's from America. So, therefore, we're African-American. Yeah. Well, Africa, yeah. And so, we also spelt it with Ks and we got all techno on it, you know, because you of just course. Like, well, change it up a bit. And then we met two two of our friends, Penny and Melania, who were in a band called Shiny Shiny. Okay. We kind of started opening for them when they do their like um, like queer pop, I guess is what it is. Okay. Really beautiful music. They're yeah. two amazingly talented artists. Then the four of us started making music together and we were all on the same vibe of just going to do yep. all live electronic music. Yep. No computers on stage kind of thing. Okay. Um, Started making some really complex music, which we quickly realized if we wanted to do it all the hard way on stage, it's going to take a lot of prep to do. So we were like, okay, it's yeah. fine. We'll have one Ableton session with a couple of backing tracks, you know. Sure. But most of it was all live. So we that was We Play Machines. Okay, yes. So we did yeah. that. Um, and so, yeah, that's that was my life, you know. And we were doing fairly well. We were playing a couple of festivals and you know, quite a few gigs and stuff. And then this Adelaide job came up. Right. So here we are. We've arrived in Adelaide. And here we are in Adelaide. life changes again in Adelaide yeah, quite significantly in, in amazing ways as well. Right? Yeah. So I'm, Byron Bay to Adelaide is a bit of a jump. Yes, you could not, say that. They're not, a, <laughs> they're not the same. No, they're slightly different. Slightly different. A culturally. Different. Yeah. All sorts of Weather-wise, sitting here looking at the storm yeah, outside, yeah, <laughs> um, the cold winters. How? Um, okay, so... I want to ask you why would you move to Adelaide from Byron, but you've done so many things, have been so many places. Why wouldn't you? I guess is the, the like why wouldn't yeah. you just follow an opportunity and yeah. say I'm going to throw myself into it? Because it seems like one of the themes of the story is you you see an opportunity, you throw yourself into it, you see what it is. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and if yep. it does, it does, and yeah. it works for a season. And if it, if and it you works, just move on, you yeah. just you just commit yourself to it and give everything you can. So I am imagining that. Hey, there's an opportunity for you to go to Adelaide. Mm. I can imagine your response is, well, okay. It was, yeah, it's an interesting thing because I remember that moment so clearly where the campus manager called me in and he yep. was like, I don't want to do this. And I, I really don't want to do this because yep. um, you know, I'd like to think I was a highly valued member yes, of the, the sure. team there. And he was just like, you know, there's this opportunity and we think that you'd be really great at it. Yeah. And I remember sitting and there was just something in me that just immediately went like, Tick, this is it. Because if you think about it, like with right. We Play Machines was at that stage, just I feel like not about to blow up and, you know, all of it. It's definitely yeah. not all over Triple J or anything like that. <laughs> but it was at a point where I feel like we were getting some momentum. Yeah. You know, Tyler and I had just a bit before that we released like our African-American EP. Mm. There's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of interactive stuff that we were getting into. So there's a lot of really cool stuff happening yeah. in Byron. Right. But, there was something in me that was just like, you've got to do this. You just have to do this. Wow. And so that was me sitting down with the band going, 
I'm going to Adelaide. So how did they do with that? And everyone's just like, Adelaide? And my first response when they said, do you want to go to Adelaide? I was like, where's Adelaide? Right, like, sure. I'd never <laughs> been to Adelaide. I was yeah. like, can you show me on a map? Like, yeah. Is there a beach hey, there? But you'd never been to Australia before, yeah. before like, you moved here anyway. Yeah. So it's like, as long deal. as there's a beach, I'll consider it. You'll be if fine. If there's no beach, then no. And they're like, oh, it's sure. not the same beach no, as Byron. I was like, that's okay. Yeah, but you stand up paddleboard now. Exactly. and it's, it's You what, adapt to your environment. You adapt right? to the environment, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was it, man. And the so band, what does the band say at that point? They weren't happy. Obviously, everyone <laughs> sure. everyone was just shocked. To be honest, everyone was extremely shocked. Well, this is we've got some kind. There's a bit of responsibility and connection there. There's other mm. people involved in your decisions at that mm. point. All of a sudden, aren't there? There's yeah. Like, so that's a that's a big moment. I guess what also I guess there's a lot of other things happening. You know, so my ex and sure. I had then split up. Yep. And there was, you know, there was another relationship kind of thing happening and things were kind of getting a little bit messy and mm. tricky. And sure. I think maybe subconsciously I was also like, you know what, I need a bit of a clean, fresh start yeah. and just kind of, and as much as people love Byron, it's, it can be a very challenging place to live. Sure. It's an extremely expensive place. Live there full time. Full time. And be involved it's, yeah. yeah sure. It's a super transient population. Yeah. It's really hard to find people to... To really make solid connections and with do life with long term, yeah, you know, because it's just yeah, that thing. Of that's what like it's, that, yeah. it's supposed yeah. to be like that. The that's whole, right. yeah, you know, that's the point. Exactly, people go there. You know, the yeah. Aboriginals would say, "You go there, you heal, and you move on." Like right. that's the idea. It's yeah. not you're not supposed to live there, and right. you could feel it. I remember it so clearly, man. Right. You'd, I'd sit outside and I'd just be like, you know, when you've got this almost anxiety in your chest. Mm. And you're just like, oh, I just need to move. I need to do something. I need to go somewhere else. I can't stay here. How long had um, you been there at that point? Six years. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's a long time. Yeah. So it was. It was totally. You're local. I was oh, <laughs> not not according to the Byron people. Let me tell you. Yeah, I lived in Newcastle. For, yeah, you've got to be there for generations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like right. even the surfers, like yeah, 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 you know, even after six years, they're still like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Don't not. get out of the get water. It. It's my but way. Yeah, but that's quite a mm. that's a significant amount of time. Oh yeah, I'd like to think so. And so yeah, here we are in Adelaide. Right. So you you come you come campus manager here of SAE, and mm. um, you've got your your cool little team. Um, and um, yeah, I, this is where I meet you in this yeah, part of the then, story. Then and Richard so I, 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 <laughs> enters my life. Everything changes. No, it's not true. Um, so. So I'm fast. I'm, this is my. This is what happens when I have these interviews? I sit here and I'm like. And my brain's trying to put all of this story together because yeah. it's not the uh, you, the things you learn in the arc of people's stories is I think it's simultaneously encouraging and challenging, right? You have to you mm. go wow, and um, yeah, the themes I hear through your story is just you just mm. keep moving, right? Mm. And when you get somewhere, you work hard, and yes. you see what happens, right? Yeah, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's okay. You don't hold things too too tight. Yeah, but um, but you you care about them enough. Uh, so I this, there's an old um old adage that there are two ways to hold a chicken. Mm. <laughs> Hang with me for a second. Yeah, one and and sometimes you can so you can hold a baby chicken with two hands really really tight mm. and protect it from the world and you kind of hold this kind of dream or this thing really tight. The yeah. problem with doing that, holding a chicken that tight, is you kind of you squash, squash the, the chicken, chicken right? <laughs> yeah. or, or the other way to hold a chicken is actually to with an open open hands yeah. and let it sit in your and you can still care for it and love it and give everything you can to it and you can steward that relationship but 
yeah, there's a risk that it may not stay in your hands forever. Mm. There's a, there's a, that's the, yeah. but you know what? That's the risk you take to yeah. keep the chicken alive. Yeah. Kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And so as I hear your story, I hear, I hear these moments where you give everything of yourself to a situation mm. or to a place or to a certain group of people, but you hold them in a place where you care about them deeply and you're invested, mm. but there's a risk that it may not be forever. There's a risk that it may not, this may not be the thing that is just exactly. forever in a day, mm. but you give what it can mm. and, and what it has. Yeah. So what? So what's different now? So what? So what's going on in in work and life, and I guess your passions and your responsibilities? What's changed in the last four? How long have you been here? Five years? No, Six, only four years. Only four years. Yeah. So you just arrived. Just arrived yeah. when I met you. Yeah. So I think I've been here long. You guys were. You were pretty much the first cohort. Really. Yeah, I, I feel like I you even were. Knew that. Yeah, you were literally the first group that came in when go. I was when I started. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, a lot has changed since then. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I now have a, a new partner. Yes. Um, we're engaged. Yes. Um, and she has. Thank you. She has two beautiful girls. She does. So I am an instant father. Instant father. Instant father, which has been very amazing. Very challenging mm. in a lot of ways but it's absolutely amazing um i've bought and built my first house yes down at the beach yeah at serenity rise i there probably shouldn't say that <laughs> um but yeah i mean who doesn't want to live on serenity rise yes um so port Nalanga, it's amazing you know it, it is like for once i feel like i'm actually adulting right like i'm actually right. a responsible okay. adult for once in you my feel life like that? but i also don't feel like i am okay. i also feel like I'm still having fun. I need to have yeah. a lot more fun. And I yeah. think that's that's an important thing to remember is that you don't have to be a gloomy, serious person. Right. You can be responsible. You can be an adult. You can do everything the way you need to do it and you can still have fun with it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think that's definitely one of those things. And when you're going to commit to something, and it's interesting that that's what you mentioned that you've noticed that's what I've been doing. It's like, because when you do something, you might as well do it well, but have fun with it. Yeah. And again, if you're not having fun doing it, almost find a way to have fun with it. Right. Like otherwise yeah. you're just going to demotivate yourself and yeah. Yeah. It's just not going to be there are fun. Seasons, I think this is, uh, there are going to be seasons and there are going to be jobs that you don't love. Yeah. Right. You're not, I think what's hard is I think sometimes we, the, the goal for some people is that, you know, it just it always makes me happy. Well, that's, mm. that's not necessarily, happy's a byproduct yeah. of, of doing other things. Well, yeah. there are times, I imagine, through that story that it's just a whole lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. And a whole lot of stress and a whole lot of, you know, I could be doing anything else but this, but I'm here yeah. right now and I've just got to show up and I've yeah. just got to do it and I've just got to slog through. And exactly. we have no money, so I just have to find whatever work I can. Yeah. I'm willing to do that. Yeah. And, but the reality is that the dream doesn't necessarily die along with those realities. No. Okay. And so I think. I think what's hard, and, and I guess part of my conversation that I'm trying to have, I'm trying to discover with people, is that um, there's this constant pressure, I think, for young people, especially mm. leaving school, to have it all worked out. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So why I ask the question, what did you want to be? And you go, wow, well, right. Because the reality of our arc, of our, our life mm. arc, is actually completely different to, I think, what at times we are preparing young people for. So okay. we kind of say, have it worked out when you're 15, plan your last two years towards going and doing your thing because that's the career you're going to do. And the reality is uh, with all 
with all niceness, that doesn't sound like a career arc. No, no <laughs> story, it's not right? At all. It's not, no. This isn't a story of Johan's career building path. Yeah, exactly. This is Johan's story of life of how mm. he's putting together the exact, I guess, topic and point of this podcast, mm. which is how do you put your life, your passions, work, and your responsibilities? How do you, how do you put those things together yeah. and somehow? Come out with a story mm. that that you're building. How do you do that? And how do you not? How do you not just give in to that and just go? Oh, it's too hard, or yeah. I can't change anything, or yeah. um, you know, as I hear your story, I hear moments of bravery. Like there's plenty of moments of you just going, "I'm going to go and try something new." Yeah, and there are for many of us. That's some people they would say they can't do that. They don't know how to do that, mm. and maybe they do. Maybe it's just practice, though. Yeah. Um, it's pressure though, isn't it? It's yeah. People put a lot of pressure on themselves. I really do. And I think like this is what you're saying. Like yeah. the society, the pressure that we put on our kids and people yeah. and it's like, oh, you have to know what you need to do by 17. Yeah. Like we they never know what we no. really need to do or have to do. We just, yeah, we just you need to kind of next, right? follow, yeah, follow your heart and trust your instincts and go, you know, someone on Facebook the other day said, what's a quote that has changed your life? Yeah. You know, um, Tom Cosm, the producer. Ableton yeah. guru and mine has always been and this is a shirt that I saw it's yeah. like love what you do and do what you love yeah and for me it's that simple yeah and that was one of the things that changed my life into me going I need to go to Australia and do music because right. I wasn't loving retail sure I wasn't you know doing what I love and I wasn't loving what I'm doing sure and yeah. What's interesting, your story. At times, you did love what you did, even though it was different to what you're doing now. So it yeah. changes, right? Oh so yeah, not, absolutely. Because so, I think there's the other pressure. Right? The other mm. pressure is that you have to work out the thing you love oh, yeah. and do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. The reality is, no, no. I, look, my interests change, right? And totally. my, who I am and what I so yeah. retail for a good portion of time for you was you were awesome. loving that. I was. That was that was a flourishing yeah. portion of your life. Totally. But then, interesting in your story, you said at one point you went back to retail and you yeah. went, oh. Oh man, like now it's like out. my nemesis. Right. Like I can't even go clothes shopping now. And I used to love clothes shopping. I literally cannot do it. Right. I'm just, I'm like, I'd much do anything. Like I don't care. Yeah. Buy me anything. It doesn't have to match the country. It doesn't have to be my size. I just do not <laughs> want to go into yeah, a clothes shop. Just don't shop. make me go. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was literally like in the thick of the fashion industry yeah. at one stage. And But you're so right though. And I think people forget that, that you change, you grow. You know, you yeah, yeah. your interests have yeah. to change. You can't yeah. be interested in the same thing when you were 21 than when you're 41 or 61, you know? Right. You change, you grow and embrace that change and roll with it and go, oh, all of a sudden I'm really interested in winemaking. Well, you. So this is your, you, this, one day maybe. This is maybe my next <laughs> move. No, my, I, yeah, my next move I feel like it's going to be a little bit more in the, Social sciences, that's kind of okay. where I want to yeah. kind of going into more like personal helping people. So again, like yeah. I'm already, you know, using music, yes, using my knowledge and understanding of technology and music production. And I imagine marketing and retail yeah. skills and, and the discipline of working hard and fixing a boat yeah. and cleaning and, 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 and uh, having harnessed and now learnt from the anxiety of being a jump master. Yeah. And, the, here's the truth though, right? Yeah. Because you take everything from all of those experiences. Yeah. And that builds you into the person you are sitting in front of me. That's yeah. the whole point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so the next thing you couldn't have done. Totally. 20 if years it, ago. No, no. 
So I wouldn't have been brave enough. I wouldn't have had the knowledge or experience. You wouldn't have the, yeah. you wouldn't, you, none of that stuff. So even the, what you're doing right now as you sit in front of me, you couldn't have done 20 years ago. That, yeah. that, that jump from there to there is not possible without jumps in between. And so those steps. My, my belief is like life is like a dance. Mm. Right? And I think often we sit down at step two and we say, what is the 50th step of this dance? Mm. It's irrelevant. Mm. Yeah. The 50th step is irrelevant yeah. because one, it's um, it's a step and a move that is way too technical for your current abilities. Yeah. And it's probably dancing you into a direction right now would freak you out. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd have told a 17-year-old you... What I'd be doing right, right today. Right, your story today, you'd <laughs> no have way. gone, what the heck, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, the answer has got to be, no, no, what, so what's step three? Mm. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get paralyzed because we can't answer the 50th step question. Yeah. Um, you'll answer the 50th step question when you're at 49. That's yeah. what you'll, that's what you'll, exactly. it'll be, it'll, uh, it'll become apparent. Yeah. But you have to keep moving. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the reality. You have to keep mm. dancing the one that's in front of you. Um, and I think that's the pressure though. I think people, we, we're, we're kind of told we need to have it all worked out. Yeah. You know, that, the podcast is named Flea Factory after the book Elephant and the Flea, which mm. talks about this different way of living and working and this kind mm. of idea that these, you know, you don't leave school when you're 17, walk into a job, and that's the job you have until you retire. Now, that yeah. used to be the world we lived in. Yeah. We used to live in that world. Yeah. We went into, there was a there was a job in a factory or there was a job in an oil company or there was a job in a big elephant of some description mm. or an institution mm. or, um, you know, it's why, it's why um, you know, universities have tenure for professors mm. because they'll live, they'll work there until they die. Yeah. Right? That's just, that's, yeah. no one can get rid of you. Yeah. doesn't matter how irrelevant you are, yeah. you get to stay, right? Yeah. There's these elephant kind of cons and they still exist. There's just less mm. of them. Mm. The vast majority of us don't live and work in those environments. No, no. The vast majority of us live your story, mm. our own version of it. Yeah. Right? They maybe don't clean super yachts and <laughs> pick potatoes and be a jump master. But this is our life, right? This mm. for most of us. And it means we have to be aware that we're living a different life and stop yeah. comparing ourselves. Oh, yes. Because comparisons are death, right? No, absolutely. And I'm convinced that we compare apples to oranges. Yeah. The other thing we do is... I would compare my insides to your outsides mm. and you would compare your insides to my outsides because yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. And guess what? You always lose yeah. when you compare your insides to somebody's outsides because yeah. you don't know. Exactly. You, you don't, don't know. You definitely are. You never um, know. So why I love this idea of us talking and sharing that story is I, I, I think it's encouraging and fascinating because mm. if I, like I met you four years ago, I see you as the Johan I know today. Mm. I can assume a lot of things about that person. Yeah. That you had a dream to do this. You've nailed it along the way. Every step in progression in your training has led you to be this person I see in front of you. And mm -hmm. I can go, well, I'll never be. I could never do yeah. that in my life. Yeah. Like Johan, who has been single-minded and focused his entire life. Exactly. To become so successful as he is. <laughs> That, that's, and then you hear the story. And you go, like, oh, my gosh. What? That sounds a lot like my story. <laughs> exactly. Just with the whole different elements. But, yeah. Ah, and I think that that's liberating. Mm. That's encouraging to me. Yeah. I go, maybe you didn't do it wrong. No. Okay? Because yeah. I think that's what we often think. Yeah, we do. We, we wonder whether we've done it wrong. Yeah. And you can't ever do it wrong. You no. know, everything that you do, even if it doesn't work out, has happened for a reason. Like you were saying, yeah. those things help you grow. They make you, you know, you learn you you have it changes your perspective and you need those 
to get yeah. you where you need to go. And it doesn't make necessarily make sense straight away. Yeah. You know, like that, the skate park closing at that stage, I was just like, yeah. oh, this is like the end of my dream. This was my dream. This is what I've always wanted to do yeah. with my life. And yeah. now if you ask me, I'm like, oh, it would be cool, right. but I wouldn't really want to, I'd want to own it, but I wouldn't want to run it every day. You know, kind Could of you imagine having a conversation right now with that guy? Yeah. With that you? Like the perspective yeah. you bring to that right now. Yeah. Because that you is devastated. Yeah. Oh, I was. I was broken. And that you is saying things like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with myself mm. for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like I failed. Like Absolutely. I had, a, I had a moment of just going, wow, I've just failed on my dream. Like my major heavy. dream. Like I just, this whole thing is just, you know, fallen out of my hands and broken on the ground. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah. I, I had it. Yeah. Like how did this happen? Yeah. Punks. Come and <laughs> punk stole on. my toilet doors exactly. and ruined my Go whole dream. Kick down my doors? What am I doing? Like not even metaphorically. They no, they like stole my toilet. Literally doors. just did it. Smashed my stuff up like punks yeah. do. And the dreams change. Yeah. And they do. And yeah, like you know, again, like now, what is my dream? Now, yes, my dream still kind of involves people, you know, that I'm supporting right. and helping in some form. But yeah, it's it's a way different way yeah. now uh, a yeah. much more personal and intimate sure. way and thanks to those you know going through getting annoyed by kids at the skate park you can imagine running a skate park like every i was like the dad figures like oh watch me yeah. i can do a kickflip you're like you can't yeah. do a kickflip i know you can't do a kickflip but yeah. you still stand there and you encourage them and you That's know so right. all that stuff's yeah. just taught me patience and yeah. prepared you, know, you for your empathy life. and whatever and to the point where now today that's like yep that is me and that yeah. is what i want to do i want to help people and yeah hey i'm i've loved this this is good we should do yeah, this more often we should do this more I, often. there's like a hundred different stories in that whole that whole <laughs> know, story you just I told know. me that i'm oh, sure I'm we sorry could. it probably went way longer than it was supposed to no it did not what no. i'm saying is there are small stories in there that we <laughs> yes, need to pull out there, pull i think there's a heap of more entertainment yeah. in there as well so hey Thank you so much for chatting to me. Oh, it's been it's a great pleasure. Really Thank cool. You. I feel like I just know you so much better. Yeah, all of a yeah. Well, a little bit better. <laughs> a little anyway. bit better, yeah. We'll have to, we can hang out way more and learn yeah. more from each other. Not a problem. It's cool. a pleasure to do so. Thanks, awesome. mate. Thanks, buddy. See ya. See ya. Well, thanks for joining me today on today's podcast. I really hope you enjoyed hearing some of Johan's story. I'm sure he'll be back on this podcast really soon. Don't forget to subscribe and you will be up to date with every single episode as soon as it hits the internet. Uh, thanks so much for your support. It's been really great. Lots of people contacting me and saying that they're enjoying it so far. I hope you are one of them. Um, I look forward to seeing you soon. See ya. See ya.